come in and be part of our of our church family. We have a missions banquet coming up on January the 13th, and we want you all to come. And so our ushers are handing out invitations right now, and at the bottom there's a perforated um, portion that you just fill out, and you can drop it in the offering plate when it goes by, or you can drop it off at the office or the info desk. But on here, if your family is coming, if you could just write how many are attending, that will help us to know how much food to prepare. I think we have about six missionaries who are going to be with us. One of the things I love about Church at Briargate is um, we, do, uh, we do ministry and we minister outside these four walls. And so when you are a partner with, our, with this church, you are ministering to people all over the world. And so that night on the 13th, we'll be talking about a lot of the things that, um, that we are a part of just because we're partnering with these, um, with these missionaries. So Please come. It's going to be a great time. We have some special things planned for that. Also, um, on the back of each chair, there is a a card, a Connect card. So if you've moved or if there's anything, um, if you've got a prayer request or a praise report, something that we can rejoice with you about, please fill that out. You can drop that in the offering plate as well. So as our ushers are coming this morning, I'm going to pray and we'll uh, we'll receive the offering. Father, we love you so much, and we're just so grateful for your sweet presence that is here already in this place. And we just acknowledge you and who you are. We lift you up, Jesus. We're here gathered in your name. And it's our delight to continue to worship you with our tithe and with our offerings. And I thank you, Lord, that as we sow into your kingdom, you take, well, you take that seed and you multiply it and you cause it to grow and cause the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out even further. And I pray that you would continue to use us here at Church at Briargate. Let that always be the heartbeat of this place. God, let us always be in step with your leading Holy Spirit wherever it is that, that you would have us to go. And let us purpose in our heart, God, what we should give and what we should sow into your kingdom. And I thank you for your blessings. I pray blessings over every person that is here this morning. Blessing and favor, God. And we just love you so much in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. If you'll turn your attention to the screens, we have some announcements for you. Hi, I'm Emily. Welcome to Church of Briargate. We're glad that you're spending your Sunday morning with us. If this is your first time, please fill out a connect card found in the back of the seats and drop it in the offering plate or put it in the basket outside of the church office. Let me tell you about a few events coming up. Today is Ugly Sweater Sunday. Take a selfie of you wearing your ugly sweater at church and post it on Facebook or Instagram with hashtag sweaters at Briargate. There will be a winner for the ugliest sweater. The youth Christmas party is tonight during the youth service at 6 p.m. Bring a $10 gift for our gift exchange and wear your Christmas pajamas. We want to bless our local community officials. Come to Pastor Shelby's house this Friday at 10 a.m. with at least two dozen baked goods, and we will wrap the baked goods in any angel tree gifts we have on hand. Ladies and teen girls, we will have a pop-up this Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at Shauna Bell's house. Bring ingredients to make or decorate your favorite Christmas treats. We will exchange treats and recipes. Dress rehearsal for the kids program is this Saturday at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary. Kids should wear their costumes. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. For more information about these and other church events and ministries, be sure to visit our website, churchbriargate.org. You can also stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and YouVersion. Have a great week.
We are excited to partner with Angel Tree this Christmas to provide gifts for kids with incarcerated parents. Pick up a tag from the tree in the lobby with the kid's age, name, and gift suggestions. Bring your gifts back with the tag by the designated date on the tag. If you would like to help wrap or deliver gifts, please sign up with the sheet on the information booth. We also want to bless families in our community with Christmas gifts this year. In addition to the angel tree tags, we have these tags available on the Christmas tree in the lobby. They have a child's age and gift suggestions. Please bring your gift back with the tag by Sunday, December 16th. It's nice to be back. I missed you guys horribly. And uh, we had a good trip. We really had a great trip. I'm going to talk about that more next week. We've got pictures. We've got a lot of stuff that we want to show. But we, had a, we, we accomplished the things we needed to accomplish, and it was, it was good. It was warm. It was about 80-something uh, degrees the whole time. In fact, um, one night it dropped down to like um, 70 or 69, somewhere around in there. And everybody's walking around with coats and toboggans on. I'm not making that up. I mean, toboggans and big old furry coats and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, I might have to put a long sleeve shirt on. But, but uh, it was a good trip, so I'll talk about that uh, literally over the next couple of weeks. But um, uh, just to let you know that. And, and I, yes, I've had a lot of great compliments about uh, Paul speaking and my wife speaking while I was gone. And I am having more requests for them to do that more often. And the answer is no. This is what I do. So... There you go. There you have it. Uh, we do have an opportunity this morning to have um, Chi Alpha missionaries with us. You guys know my heart with Chi Alpha. It's uh, missionaries at the college campus. I got saved in Chi Alpha. Um, a great contributor to the reason that I am standing here right now is due to Chi Alpha, and so we believe strongly in Chi Alpha. And uh, we have uh, the Jamils here with us this morning, and they are right here in Colorado Springs uh, as Chi Alpha leaders. So when I have them come up and um, I guess bring just one of the kids this time. I don't know, I thought, I thought your son was great. Thanks, guys. background. I know there's no one that can tell me there is no God. These past few years have tested my faith. A few months ago, I was ready to give up. I have lost people that were really close to me, as well as being hurt by people I love. I know the Lord wants me in the missions field for the rest of my life. God's shown me that no matter what is going on in my life, He will never leave our side. I'm, I'm never, never going, going back. back. I know that my trust in God will not waver. I'm looking at it as my mission field, and no matter, and no matter what, what happens, I'm going to trust in God. My heart was completely wrecked, and I heard the voice of the Lord speak clearly. God revealed so much to me. I know that he is making a way for me. I'm going to continue to do work with my Father in heaven. I know now that I am armed to do God's work. 
that shined a light on someone who brought me to Kayaf and my and life. My life has been forever changed. Not only do I feel called, but I'm now living in greater sense than awe of God. I was created for much greater things than I ever thought possible. I will do my part in bringing on the greatest student awakening the world has ever seen. Our mission is to reconcile students to Christ. Join us in transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. I don't know how I can follow up that video. It gives me the shivers every time. Uh, my name is Sharik Jamil. This is my wife, Tressa, and that's Haley. Our two-year-old is in the nursery because these shiny guitars were too tempting for him. Um, and that's about as much as I like to talk. So here you go. <laughs> a man of few words. They're powerful. Yeah, we had to drag my son down the aisle. It was very dramatic in the first service, so you guys missed that. But good morning. We're so grateful to be here. As he said, I'm the international student director at UCCS here in the Colorado Springs. And it's really just an awesome opportunity to serve this community, but also students from all over the world. And so that's really our heart is to see students, university students, but specifically international students, saved and met with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just here at UCCS, but across Colorado across the U.S., and then also all over the whole world. And so we know that God's going to do that, and we're so excited that we get to be even just a small part of that solution. And so we'll share about that in just a minute, but I want to share our story, um, how we came to be a part of Chi Alpha. So I've been serving at UCCS for the last three years, um, and then my Sorry, before that, I was at the University, Northern Arizona University in Arizona. That's by the Grand Canyon, if you don't know where that is. <laughs> um, and I served there for five years on staff as the international student director and even longer as a Chi Alpha student leader. And a fun fact, I was actually saved in Chi Alpha as well in 2007. Um, I came there looking for a lot of different things and was met by students that set aside their own agenda, set aside their own busy schedules to teach me about Jesus. Um, and then my husband, he was also saved in Chi Alpha. He was born in Karachi, Pakistan, and grew up in a Muslim household, Did went to the madrasa like every good Muslim boy should do. And then our stories were changed when we came to the college campus. We came looking for an education, and we were met and changed by Jesus Christ instead. So, And we got an education, too. That was good. Also, um, but in those three years that I was a part of Chi Alpha, obviously God did a lot. He changed my heart. He healed me. He set me free. He taught me about evangelism. But the biggest thing that I learned was how to be a disciple of Jesus and then how to disciple other people to know Jesus. And that's what Chi Alpha is really all about. It's that one person reaching another person who will reach another person. And that's why we exist on the university campus. Um, She's putting on a show for you guys. I was like, why is everyone laughing? No. Um, she's very affectionate. So it's, <laughs> it's really about, um, she's so distracting. She's so cute. I got to look at my sheet now because I lost my train of thought. So this is our heart. This is why we exist. And I have a little slide. I usually talk about this a little bit more, um, but just given the time constraints, I'm not going to. Ask me about it after the service. But our goal is to find, fight, and feed for feed every student that comes on campus. 
Um, and so when we started implementing this at UCCS, that's really where we began to see a shift. When I first got to UCCS three years ago, we had two students and we had three small groups going on. And this school year, this past um, semester, we had about 30 students coming to Chi Alpha and about four small groups going on. And so that's growth right there. Um, we don't have huge numbers. We're not looking for great big services, but we're focusing on depth and reaching the one person. And so as we've been doing that, we've been seeing a ton of changes. We had six small group leaders when we started this school year. Um, and these are people that we train up to become leaders to disciple other students. And by next fall, we'll hopefully have 14 students that will now be starting small groups and going out and reaching. So imagine the multiplication that happens when you have 14 students out reaching people. So we went back to the basics of what Jesus is doing, and obviously it's working. So that's good. <laughs> um, on a personal note, um, this whole model of reaching the one person who reaches the one person who reaches the one person, that was really what drew me in when I first came to know the Lord. I was so drawn in by the fact that these students that were here with their own busy schedules, they set aside everything to talk to me and to call out who I was in Christ and to show me the way. And so I've been fortunate enough to do that for the last nine years in other lives, other people's lives as well. And so I'm going to share a quick story about a girl named Bethany. Um, she's from Arizona, and she was born on the Native American reservation, specifically Navajo, if you're familiar with that. But she came to campus similar to me. She didn't really have um, a foundation. She was kind of raised in a Christian home, but she didn't have a firm understanding of who Christ was to her. She knew of him, but she didn't know him. And so she started attending our services. She started attending small group and getting involved. She is really good at event planning, so she would help us throw these elaborate things. And so as time went on, I eventually asked her, hey, you should consider becoming a student leader. She was a little hesitant at first, but she eventually obliged. <laughs> and that's where we really saw her grow and be transformed as she was seeing these new things come out in her. And so she faithfully served as a student leader for two years. Through that time, she discipled other girls who came up to become student leaders as well, um, some of which who are still serving on campus as students right now. But the biggest thing, especially because my heart is to reach international students and people from other countries, I saw the ease with which she spoke to people from backgrounds that were different from her own. And so I began to call out those giftings in her. So following her graduation, she decided to actually become a Chi Alpha missionary herself, which is awesome. And I don't know about you guys, but there's a special just gift set aside when you see a person that you've discipled and you've trained up and you've raised up, and then you see them step into the calling that God has placed on their lives. There's just something really beautiful about that. Um, so that's my joy. And then this last year, I... I'm so excited to say she actually took over my position at Northern Arizona University as the international student director. And so I get to see that whole thing come full circle. And it's really beautiful to see the things that I prayed for when I was ministering there be answered through her hands. Um, and that's just a really cool thing that God did. But that's, that's what we do is reach the one person and we find them 
on campus. We fight for them to know the Lord, and then we feed them with the truth of Jesus. And that's what we did with Bethany. That's what we do with students from all over the world. And so thank you. I know that this church, obviously, he has a huge heart for it. But um, you guys have had missionaries from Chi Alpha come here and share. Thank you so much for your giving to Chi Alpha. Um, thank you for praying for us. Uh, before I conclude, I just want to ask you guys, would you pray for UCCS as we continue to grow and, and reach people? I know this campus is intended to grow even more. So pray for us as we have even more students come. Um, pray for more people like Bethany to come up through the ministry and to love and serve people sacrificially like she did. And then on a personal note, we are missionaries. So would you pray for my family as well? Um, we are support raising right now, so we're not on campus full time. We've been itinerating for several months, but we finally reached over the 50% like that was my mountain for a long time. And so we finally got over that and we have about 1600 a month that we still need to raise in financial support. So would you guys be praying for that for us um, so we can get back on campus and do the work that we love so much. Um, but I wanna pray for you guys as a congregation right now, if you'll let me. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Church at Briargate. Lord, thank you for each and every person in this room. Thank you for each person whether they're here or not, that represents Church at Briargate. Lord, would you move powerfully in this congregation? Lord, would you speak to them in their individual times with you? And if they don't have times with you, that they would begin to do that. And Lord, I just pray that the word of God would come alive in their life. Lord, I pray that we would see just crazy things come out of this church, miraculous things, people being set free, but also just people who are faithfully serving you and reaching other people who would faithfully serve other people, um, and that the gospel would grow, and this would be known as a church that faithfully loves and serves Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. So we're going to pray for them, as is what we do, and uh, we're going to pray the, the same basic things we always pray, that the Holy Spirit will go before them, with them, and that uh, also that the Holy Spirit will put them into our hearts as part of us. So Tressa, did uh, Rick leave, I think? Okay, you're by yourself then. All done. So uh, stand down here, and we're going to have anybody that would like to come join us up here, and we want to pray for her. And everybody uh, stand with us, if you would. And uh, just praying, not, not just for the, her and the family, but also praying for the campus, that there are, there are students all over that campus that, that need Jesus Christ. They just desperately do. And so, so let's pray. God, we thank you so much for you. We thank you um, for just that you're, you're calling, what you do when you stir in our hearts to be obedient to you. God, we thank you for for the Jamil's response to this, that their obedience and their heart for you. And Lord, we... we we commit them to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go before them, guide them and lead them, give them direction, protection, wisdom, uh, insight, any of the things that they need that, that they don't even know that they need yet, Lord God. You, you lead them and guide them in these things. Protect them and keep them strong in you. Anoint them with your power and your presence. Lord, we also ask you to put them into our hearts as part of us, that, that our college right here in Colorado Springs, that we're praying for these students, we're praying for these internationals coming from all over the world. God, we commit them to you. We commit them to you in the name of Jesus. So put the Jamils into our hearts as part of us that we'll, we'll continue to pray and support them. And God, anybody in this room right now that you're stirring to financially commit to this, God, help them to, to see what you want them to do and to be obedient to that. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the, <clears throat> at the end of the service, we'll have one of our ushers at the back with an um, offering plate to give you opportunity to give if you'd like to do that. If you want to contribute uh, monthly to, to them, you can uh, let us know at the church. You can also talk to them personally. You don't have to, you don't have to send it through the church. Um, you can. We get like missions credit with our fellowship. Um, that, as I mentioned before, that's not important to me, but it is important to my wife. And so if you want to run it through the church, then, then there's that option too. Just let us know. You can put it on an envelope. You can, however, call the office and we can uh, set that up and make that happen. So <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be speaking about Christmas these next few weeks until we get to Christmas. And uh, they're going to be a little different per, per message. Um, this morning I'm going to uh, pick on Christmas a little bit. And um, please be patient with me at the beginning of this. As, as we get all the way through it, you'll understand where I'm headed with this and what's happening. But I, I want to pick on some things about Christmas and some of the stuff, some of the mindsets. And, and I'm not necessarily trying to convince us of something this morning. I just want to bring some things to light to make you think about it and the process. Because really this is, at the end of this, and, and you'll, this makes sense later, but at the end of this, you're, you're going to be making decisions about things, how this is processing for you, what this looks like for you, your family, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and so my goal is to just kind of get your eyes open to some things you haven't processed before and uh, in relationship to Christmas. So I want us to go to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first part of the Christmas story. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to read the first part, and I'm going to try, try to encourage you to do the best you can to try to listen to this like you've never heard it before. That's, that's an impossibility, but, but try to, to listen with, um, <clears throat> with just kind of brand new freshness and listen to details or listen to elements of this and, and, uh, and, and some of the stuff with, um, without all of the Christmas uh, trappings attached to it. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to, be, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I love that sentence in the story, that this, this good news, this joy is for every human ever. This is for everybody. This isn't a, a Jewish thing. This isn't an um, American thing. This is, this is the reality in, for every human in existence. <clears throat> so, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
Now, I've said this before, but this really is. I mean, there's many places in the Scripture I'd like to have visited in person and been there when it happened. But this has got to be one of the biggest, for me, places in Scripture that I would like to have been standing there when this happened, to seeing this in person. And the whole, the whole heavens light up with the, with the choir, and they all began to sing and declare God and all this stuff, and they're talking about all this. I, I, just, think, I just think that would have been a pretty decent choir, in my opinion. So... <clears throat> When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I want you to think about this is the beginning. This isn't the whole story. There's more to it. There's previous where the prophecy of Mary and the, and the, um, the uh, Immaculate Conception, all these things that are happening, and then afterward Jesus is born, and then the uh, wise men come visit and all these other things. This is just kind of the first part of this, but I want you to, to think to yourself um, <clears throat> what Christmas is, how you celebrate Christmas, What's going on with all of Christmas? And in, in your, I'm saying your existence, not everybody else, just you. Christmas and how you or maybe your family celebrate Christmas. And then I want you to think about what I just read out of Luke. Because I don't think they look the same. I don't think the story from Luke 1 to Luke 3 at least societally, culturally, it doesn't look anything like what Christmas is in this country. And, and one of the things that, I, that, that happened to me with this is I was thinking about, there, there's a comedian that I really like. Um, his name is, um, no, I said it in first service. Yes, Jim Gaffigan. I don't know why I spaced on that. Jim Gaffigan. Uh, that I, I, I liked, he's, he's hilarious, he's one of, he's got probably my favorite comedian, and, um, and he talks about Christmas at one time, he grew up Catholic, and he was talking about Christmas, and he's looking at the things having to do with Christmas, and he talks about how he thinks that if you just looked at it, um, just don't look at it with all the trapping, but just look at Christmas, it looks like something a drunk man came up with, and he talks about how that uh, you go out into the yard, and you cut down a tree, and you bring that in the house. Then you take all the lights and decorations out of the house and you decorate the bushes and the trees outside. Then you hang your socks over the fireplace and he goes through all of this kind of stuff and at the end he wraps it up and saying, now do all this for Jesus. I want you to think about what the story of Christmas is, of what we call Christmas. I'm going I'm to look at, we use the term Christmas when we use December 25th. I'm going I'm to address all that in a second, but think about what we say Christmas is. We say things like Jesus is the reason for the season. I, I thought about this years ago. I was in Walmart. This lady had a sweater on that said Jesus is the reason for the season, and she was fighting with this other woman over a toy. And I thought, is anybody else seeing a disconnect for this? Is Jesus really the reason for our season, for your season? Is Jesus really the, the, the focus of this? Let me go over some things of Christmas uh, and where it came from. Now, the, the first thing for us in America is Christmas was not an official holiday in America until 1870. We had, we had uh, celebrated it, obviously, 
long time before that. But there's a lot of stuff that comes around the time frame of what Christmas is. We celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Um, this, is, this is the winter solstice season, and this is where all this stuff came from originally. In Scandinavia, at this time frame, the winter solstice, they have something called the Yule Log. And the Yule Log, they go out into the woods and they cut a very large log, a very large tree down, and they, and they uh, bring it to the middle of the, um, of the, um, like the village that they're in, and they set fire to it, and then their, their tradition is they have a, like a drunken orgy around this log until the log burns all the way up, okay? Um, usually it takes about 10 or 12 days. And every one of the sparks that come off of this log is supposed to represent that their gods are giving them um, a new calf or a new pig uh, in the, in the uh, birthing season that's coming up in the near spring. And so this is, this is where, and you know, we, we sing about and talk about the Yule Log. I often thought that was funny. But the Germans, they have a god named of Odin, who during the, the uh, winter solstice time frame, he flies around. Uh, bringing death to little children, um, and, and somehow it's tied into whether these children are being obedient to parents. Okay, I don't know exactly how, although I was like, if you're going to get behind a God. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> there's another one called Saturnalia, which has to do with Saturn, has to do with the winter solstice, has to do with the, uh, the uh, time frame of, of the days have been getting darker and darker and darker, and all of a sudden it switches and they begin to get lighter. Okay? And then you can see Saturn really good, and so they're worshiping uh, Saturn and the gods of that time frame. In Rome, there was two gods that, they, that, they, that Winter Solstice was about, which is Juvenalia and Mithra. And Mithra was actually celebrated on December 25th. That's the only thing in history that we have that has association with actual December 25th. And they, these were basically pagan gods that would bless the, their families and their lives and these kind of things. Christmas was not celebrated by the uh, New Testament church or the early church for quite a few hundred years. The fourth century is the first time that we see any kind of mention of this. Now, Easter was being celebrated. Jesus' resurrection was being celebrated. But Jesus' birth had never really been celebrated. But the, um, the, in the fourth century, the, one of the beginning new popes decided that he would combat uh, this, um, these pagan worships, these pagan uh, celebrations, orgies, all this other kind of stuff. And then he said that he wanted uh, Christmas to be celebrated on December 25th, and this would be the celebration of Jesus' birthday. Okay? Which is kind of strange because Jesus was born March, April time. All right? He was not born in December. Um, but that's what the Pope, the Pope was trying to push back. There was already Easter during that time frame, and he didn't want to mess with that. And so he backs it up to December 25th, because these were the, the strongest uh, holidays that were happening uh, during that time frame. By the way, I've only given you a small little piece. that you can, you can go online and look at all kinds of different websites that give you all the details. There's tons and tons of stuff that I'm leaving out. I'm just giving you kind of some highlights. But the Pope decides we're going to have Jesus' birthday celebrated on December 25th, and uh, that this will be Christmas. Now, the Pope at the time, he was not necessarily uh, some of the horrible popes that came later, um, but this wasn't a spiritually motivated thing. It wasn't, um, just from looking at it in the history books, this is my opinion, it didn't appear to be really a spiritual thing that he was doing. He was trying to keep control, power, and some finances uh, coming to the church during the winter solstice time frame, so he just kind of lays it over these other pagan festivals, Okay. So, 
what happened was because, again, this is kind of my opinion of reading through it, I, because he tried to just kind of overlay it and didn't really, it wasn't, there, there wasn't like a really a spiritual push or anything to this, all of the pagan revelry kept happening, but then they would, they would start by going to church on Sunday morning, um, on the, or Christmas morning on the 25th, they would go to church, have a church service, and then they would go out and get drunk and have the orgies and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think the Pope really accomplished what he was trying to accomplish there. Interestingly, um, after quite a few hundred years, as we become into the Church of England, uh, the time King James and later, uh, well, actually a little bit earlier than that, Christmas was actually beginning to be looked down upon because of all of the paganism and, and the uh, drunkenness and everything else went, that went along with it. And so by the time that the pilgrims come to America, the pilgrims, when they first got to America, they did not celebrate Christmas. They didn't like Christmas. They thought it was a pagan thing. They didn't think it celebrated Jesus' birthday, and so they didn't celebrate it. And interestingly, this is where some of the impetus behind Thanksgiving became such a huge deal there. And I know we just got through Thanksgiving. There's, there's a lot of revisionist history that goes on with Thanksgiving, that this was actually, you know, Christopher Columbus comes to the continent and he massacres all these Indians. And there was battles and wars that happened between Indians and Indians and Indians and, and the pilgrims. But Thanksgiving was not a massacre of Indians. I don't care what they're teaching you in school. That is not what it was. Okay? That's revisionist history by people that don't like the idea of Thanksgiving. The truth of it is, is there are about 40 or 50 pilgrims there. That's parents, children, everything. Men, women, and children. About, about 40 to 50. And there was over 300 Indians at this first, what we would call Thanksgiving feast. The reason that they liked it and celebrated it so much was because they, they didn't like the idea of Christmas and they wanted to have something that was dedicated to God that was just theirs. They had, they had done the crops and the exchange and all the stuff with the Indians and this was a big festival that they had a big uh, party that they had a dinner and invite all the Indians and all this other stuff. So they didn't like Christmas, didn't want to be a part of Christmas. In fact, the next generation of Puritans actually made Christmas illegal in Boston for about 12 years. You would get find if you celebrated Christmas in Boston. At the same time, most of the settlements were not celebrating Christmas, but John Smith uh, was celebrating Christmas in his settlement. So you got all this stuff going on with Christmas. Finally, 1870, we make Christmas an official holiday, an American at the exact same um, uh, generation, I'm saying in that, in that um, 1800s, we started seeing Christmas change. There was some preachers that were preaching about this and a guy that wrote an article and a bunch of things that happened in newspapers that began to change the, the, uh, the attitude and the tone of Christmas that made it a family thing and made it about Jesus and made it about um, uh, not drunken parties, but getting together and actually um, having good moral things involved with Christmas and putting the emphasis on Jesus as the Son of God. Now, with all of that said... I would like to ask the question. Now, as I ask the question, I want you to know I don't dislike Christmas. I don't dislike Christmas trees or Santa or reindeer or Rudolph or any of those things. I like them all. 
Now, I'm going to, all this, there's some things that I'm throwing out here that are making some of you uncomfortable. I get that. Even the idea of the maypole, I've mentioned this before, the actual Christmas tree that we have as part of Christmas was actually a tradition that was started um, by the Scandinavians where they would have the maypole. There was a few different groups that did this, but they would have this big uh, 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 stick tree with the branches all trimmed off in the middle of the village, and they would have ribbons tied around, and everybody would dance around it naked. They would just keep dancing around until the ribbons were all wrapped up. And this is where we get Christmas trees from. Now, does that mean I'm anti-Christmas tree? No. We do not anymore celebrate by dancing naked around our tree. So, so I mean, it's, it, everybody's got their thing. The reason that I'm saying this is when we were in India, the, we went uh, to Pastor Bashir's church. This was about an hour and a half away from where we're putting our church, and we took our two pastors. This guy's the one I've mentioned over that a few times that he is mentoring, uh, helping us mentor our two pastors. And um, he has services uh, for Hindus that have been saved and for Muslims that have been saved. And those two services are very different. Hindus have total different culture, um, um, food issues, relationship things, all kinds of different things going on than the Muslims. And so he has two different services because their traditions are different. And the services look different. And by the way, they don't look like American church services. This is one of the things that, that I've, I, I've, looking back in history, that we've realized that was one of it, and there wasn't a lot, but this was one of the mistakes that missionaries made in the first major missional movement about 150 years ago into places around the world is we thought part of our responsibility was to take American Western-style church to these other countries. And sometimes that's detrimental because it's not, we're not trying to make them westernized churchgoers. We're trying to introduce them to Jesus Christ and the reality of the gospel and the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit and forgiveness and salvation and all these other things. And sometimes we were as, as adamant about transplanting church uh, style, okay, which depends on which group he came from, right? And so this pastor was sitting there, and he, and he had, in fact, he had just had, the day before, we got there on Sunday, and he had just had uh, an outreach into a village a little ways away from the city that he's in, and there's some people had got saved in that village a couple years ago. And a couple years ago, he had sent me an email about this, that, um, <clears throat> that he, his life was being threatened. He rode down into that village in his motorcycle and was going to do some, um, some teaching and some talking about Jesus, and uh, they chased him out of there, throwing rocks at him and all kinds of stuff, tried to kill him. This same little village, a few thousand people, had um, this, a, an outreach. They did a service there. Uh, the day before we got there, there was over 120 Muslims that showed up to this outreach. They were no longer threatening. They were, no, they were starting to embrace. Some people had already started getting saved. They're witnessing. God is doing miracles, supernatural healings that are happening with this. And we're seeing this. Now, this pastor sat with me and he asked me, he said, let me, let me tell you what we're doing from the point of view that he wanted my opinion about this. He said, we're taking the, all the things that the Hindus and the Muslims do. When we got to India, Diwali was just finishing, and they were ending the festival of worshiping to their gods, and they take little gifts to their gods and all these other kind of things, put them in, in, um, in um, uh, shrines and stuff, and then they, they, they build these little uh, uh, mannequins, I guess you could say, out of, out of um, straw and stuff like this, and then they put them on little boats, and they set them on fire and put them out into the lakes, waters, whatever the case is, and then... They put uh, colored paint all over everybody, which is interesting because we do that in America now, right? For like color runs and things like that. That's actually a Hindu worshiping God festival. Just thought I'd throw that out there. So, uh, and we do that all the time. In fact, our youth group has done that. Oh, so, 
Um, now, 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 let me throw this out here to you. Now, I know this is going to uh, uh, upside down some of you a little bit, but I want you to think about this. Bashir asked me, he said, we've been taking all these festivals and all these things, and he said, we've been having Christian celebrations attached to these kind of things. So what do you think about that? Now, I come from a culture in America, church, that says you can't do that. That's wrong. You don't take things like Halloween or stuff like that and do Jesus stuff because that's a day that's been dedicated to Satan. Except Scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. By the way, that includes all 365 of them. Okay? Now, again, I'm not trying to convince you of something. I just want you to think with me. So he said, what do you think about this? And I said, Bashir, I think it's a great idea. Take every single anything that Satan tries to do or use or, or manipulate or say it's his day and own that. Are we really going to let Satan own a day? Are we really going to let him own a festival or a time frame? Are we really going to let him do that? And I said, Bashir, I think it's a great idea. Take every festival and turn it into a Jesus movement in the middle of these villages and in your city. Turn it into a Jesus celebration. Turn it into such a big Jesus celebration that the Hindus and Muslims forget what their original day was. Which basically is what we've done with Christmas. Now here's what I do want to throw back at us though is. Is Christmas really about celebrating Jesus? I'm asking you to ask yourself. This is not, again, I'm not trying to, I don't, I'm, trying, I'm trying to condemn us or anything. I just want you to think to yourself, what have we made Christmas out to be? First, I'm saying you or your household or whatever the case is. It's, it's interesting how easy it can be about shopping or toys. Or, I mean, I know this is not as big of a deal nowadays, but 15, 20 years ago, it was a big deal for about 10 years. It was a big deal that the new toy that came out, people would go to, to the stores and fight over these things. Do you guys remember that stuff? I mean, I remember when Tickle Me Elmo came out. And people were duking it out for Tickle Me Elmo. They're fighting over a little thing. That goes, <laughs> They're beating each other up. I watch people dragging people down aisles for a Tickle Me Elmo. Now here's my thing with that is something is wrong with that kind of thing attached to something that we say is about Jesus' birth. Now again, I love Christmas trees. I do. I like everything about Christmas. I love it. There's something about getting up on Christmas morning and the kids. My wife has done this thing for all my kids' life where she, uh, in the stockings, they, she puts, um, we let them go through stockings on Christmas Eve. I know, I know it's not what Jesus, no, sometimes we don't. Some, sometimes we do on Christmas. Actually, we've only done that a couple times. <laughs> now that I think about it. Because I'm of the school that Jesus didn't get gifts the day before he was born. He actually didn't give him the day he was born either, but that doesn't work for my argument. Jesus didn't get gifts the day before he was born. He got them on Christmas morning. I mean, he didn't, but you know what I'm saying. So I believe you'll go to hell for getting Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. No, maybe not, but maybe. You don't know. You don't know. Is it worth it? So But I, there's something about getting up on Christmas morning. The kids go running in, and, and they have on their they open their um, stockings, and in their stockings we always have pajamas for them, and they all match. We all match together. Me and the boys have always matched. 
And uh, Linda and Emily have always matched, and we have, Chris, we have pajamas. One year, this was like two or three years ago, so my kids are grown. One year, she just didn't. She thought, well, they're too old. They don't want they, it was like a fight in our household. Where are the pajamas? Mom. So, so here's the thing. I love Christmas trees. I love Rudolph. I love Santa. I don't, looking around, I believe in Santa. I've said for years, this pastor is not going to be the guy that hurts a child's existence. So I like all those things. I do. I'm not being facetious. I like Rudolph. There's something about that stupid claymation, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that you have to watch every Christmas or you have not truly been part of Christmas. And I said this to, I've said this, and this is getting worse and worse over the years. You have to watch It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas, right? You have to. And I know people now that have never seen that movie. Raise your hand if you've never seen it, but you're like, I'm not raising my hand now. You've never seen the movie. You gotta see the movie. So, I digress. So, what I'm trying to get to here is this. Guys, I wonder sometimes about the stuff of Christmas and what we turn it into. What we turn it into. I believe very strongly in, in taking these pagan things, make them Christian. Celebrate Jesus on that day. Come up with it. Make up a reason why you celebrate Jesus on that day. Why not? Because it's the day he made. It's the moment he made. Is Christmas that we celebrate in America, is that really about Jesus? If you go to the average person in the mall, I would say they didn't even have a clue that it's about Jesus. Even the Santa in the red outfit, that was created by Coca-Cola. That wasn't created by the Lord. A whole thing about Christmas, it's all about something else. But here's what I'd like to put in the mix of this. I can, I can have a Christmas tree, I can do all of this stuff, and it can still be about Jesus for me and my family. But I have to be intentional about that. So here's, here's one of the things I was thinking of. I've seen this a half, well, I've seen it probably a few dozen times over the years. Have you ever been opening Christmas presents, friends, family, somebody, and there's that, there's that kid there that, that, you know, he's got 20 gifts stacked up over here, and he opens one of the presents, and he doesn't like his, oh, this is stupid. You ever seen that? Anybody seen that? Raise your hand. Raise it loud and proud with a little bit of attitude, because if that happened with one of my children, they would not get any of those gifts. Zero. Because they've missed the whole point of this, you little spoiled brat. Now, the reason I'm using that story is because I would like to expound that and say, I think that as a society, that's really who we are to a great extent when it comes to Christmas. What's the difference between that kid saying this is a stupid gift and two moms fighting over an Elmo? What's the difference in that? What's the... What's the difference in this whole thing? I saw Christmas stuff out in Walmart before Halloween this year. Pretty soon, we're going to be shooting fireworks off with Christmas lights on our porch. Something, something's wrong with this. Something, we've turned this into something that, it's, that it shouldn't be. I like the idea that this used to be pagan holidays, that we said, no, we're going to celebrate Jesus. But do we still do that? Is it still about celebrating Jesus? Is that, is that what this is? 
Is that what we've allowed it to become? And I'll give you another one, guys. This is, this, there's a spiritual concept that I'm going to talk about here that just sounds like it's financial. But if you're going into debt to buy Christmas presents, you're not being a good Christian steward of your finances. That is unhealthy. And I know that there's so much trappings in our society today. I feel sorry for young parents trying to start this thing out because then when your kid goes to school and everybody else got $50,000 worth of stuff and your kid got $50 worth of stuff, it's like they're a pariah. I get that. I understand the pressures and the things that go along with that. But if you're, if you're maxing out credit cards for Christmas, you've missed the whole point of this thing. And I personally believe, this is me, on a spiritual level, you're not being a good steward. There's a, there's a wrong financial thinking behind that. That, that, really, that that's healthy for your family? That that's healthy? Somebody told me after first service that Dave Ramsey talks about that the average family, it takes them till August to pay off their Christmas. How is that beneficial? Is, are your kids truly better off because of that? Is that helping you or your family, your children? Is it, help, is it really celebrating Jesus? Is that, is that made it a good Christmas that your kids got a bunch of stuff? Now Some of the kids are like, shut it. Shut up. Let me throw some things out here, and then we're going to go back to Luke chapter 22. What I believe Christmas is about when Jesus comes and puts on this physical body, and, and, he, and he starts this thing that we call um, salvation. And, and the transcendent, holy, amazing God limits himself to this tiny little body on this tiny little planet in, in, a, in a small little space of all of creation. Jesus is doing something that is displaying certain things to us. Grace, humility, thankfulness, joy, forgiveness. He is displaying brokenness and self-giving. It's the idea of, of um, the, for breakfast time, the chicken and the pig. The chicken is committed, the pig's all in. You, you, you understand the difference in the two? Jesus is all in for us when he takes on that. Once he takes on that human flesh, he's all in. And there's only one way that this can end, and it's him dying. He is all in with this. Is that what we're teaching and preaching and understanding? Is that what our children are seeing? Is that what our coworkers are seeing? Is that, is that how we're looking at this? Here's some things that I've heard over the years, and um, d- different things, even, even some of these things that, that our family has done versions of these. But when it comes to Christmas... For one, this is one thing that I hear pretty regularly. Some families are pretty adamant that their children only get three gifts for Christmas. Why? Because Jesus only got three. What makes you better than Jesus? Now, I'm not again, I think these are cool ideas, but if I was a kid, my argument would be okay, one of them was gold. (laughs) Bring it. Bring it, mom, dad. Oh, that's wrong. Don't you? That's horrible. So, <clears throat> but here, here's something that I've heard families do in different times, in different ways. Let's say you got a handful of gifts that the kid gets uh, for Christmas. They have to choose one of those and give it to somebody else. Not like their sibling, but somebody that needs something, a family that doesn't have gifts or whatever. And they can pick the gift, but they just pick one of the gifts and they give it to somebody else. That's challenging for a child when they like all of the gifts. 
Now, you start that, you go to like, some of you are like, I'm going to do that. Your kid's like 14. You go like, this is what we're going to do. Your kid, what are you doing to me? You're ruining my life. But if you start that when they're babies, by the way, I think you can still do it at 14 if you're a true parent. But <laughs> if, uh, if you start it when they're a baby, they learn this is expected. This is who we are as a family. We contribute to people that don't have stuff. That's who we are as a family. That Christmas is about giving. It's not about getting. And you can teach that. You can develop that. You can foster that. I, I know families that have, have their on Christmas Eve, they, they go out and they buy gifts for another family in the community and they go take those gifts and that's what they do on Christmas Eve is take gifts to another family. These are some cool things. I know an, uh, uh, another family that the, their tradition for years and years was on Christmas, uh, all the family members, all the gifts that they gave to each other were all handmade. They didn't go to the store and buy it. They didn't put something on a credit card or something. They made something. That's a cool idea if you're one of those families that are good at that stuff. I'd be handing something to my kids. I'm sorry, it's the best I got. I don't, I don't even know what it is. I don't know. Here it is. Merry Christmas. I think it's an ashtray. I don't know. So... <laughs> um, but, but these are ideas, and, you, and this is the thing, is I think if you're, if you're really creative about stuff and try to say, how can I make Christmas really something that is, is real and, and has, has um, substance to it, and it's intentional, and it's about Jesus, I bet you could come up with something pretty creative. I had a pastor for years, years ago when I was his youth pastor, that he would take, he would go buy a big uh, Christmas dinner and a Christmas gift for a family in the community that didn't have anything, but he wouldn't ever let anybody know who he did it. And I actually accidentally stumbled on it one time, what he was doing, and I mean, he was adamant with me, you better not ever tell anybody, which is what I'm doing right now, but you better not ever tell anybody that I do this. He said, because I don't ever want something about me with this. And he said, the greatest joy that I get is knowing that they have no idea who gave it to me. Guys, there's some things you can come up with at Christmas that would really bring Christmas to the reality of what it should be. I think running to the mall and maxing out our credit cards is doing a disservice to our family, to ourselves, to our kids, to Christmas, to our, our coworkers, all this other stuff. I think, these, I think it kind of tears away at something. Again, something that we always do with our family is on Christmas morning we always read the Christmas story. Or one of the kids, when they got old enough, one of the kids would read the story. And they were talking about Christmas and uh, different times we've sang happy birthday to Jesus, stuff like that. And I'm just trying to make sure that my kids understand, even with all the materialism and all the stuff that goes on with Christmas, that this really is a time that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. I'm doing the, doing the best I can with that. And we've still been stupid at different times and spent way more than we should because they're getting pressure from their friends. And I don't want my kids to be, you know, those kids, Right? And so you, you got to kind of process some of this. What does this mean? What can I do about this? Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is a huge sentence. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him 
what the custom of the law required, which was to him, actually, what the law, the custom, the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I can die. I have seen the redemption of Israel. I have seen the salvation of all mankind in this little baby. Guys, this is what Christmas is about. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And 2,000 years later, we are still in the light of that revelation that Jesus Christ is God. That he is the salvation of humanity. We're in that light. We always have a Christmas Eve service around. It's one of my favorite things we do all year. It's short. It's less than an hour. Um, and we always light candles at the end of it. And we, you know, we sing songs about this, that Jesus is the light that comes to us. So I want to put this into your world, and I want you to process this a little bit. What can you do? Hopefully you have a desire. Hopefully I've said or something's happened this morning that at least gives you the desire. What can you do that can make Christmas a little bit more about Jesus and a little bit less about the mall or about your credit cards or something? I, and I'm struggling with this right now. I've got a new granddaughter. We were in Walmart the other day. There, is a, a, there was a pony that's this tall. It's a purple pony, and it's this tall, and I wanted to get it for my granddaughter. And my daughter-in-law said, you, you remember how big our apartment is, right? I thought, but you need a, she needs a horse. And then I remember she's five months old. She can't even sit up. <laughs> and I'm going to buy her a horse so she can fall off of that. I, I get to, I mean, I've always liked, my kids can tell you, I like giving my kids things. I like I like that, but I also think maybe we can make Christmas something about Jesus, right? Stand with me if you would. Let's pray. Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you. Jesus, you're the king. You're the ruler. You're the one who literally gives us everything. Lord, there is no, there's salvation in nobody else but you, Jesus. We acknowledge that. We, we understand that. Lord, there is no celebration of Christmas really separately from you. It's all just pagan celebrations after that. Jesus, we, we, want, we want our eyes and our hearts turned toward you for Christmas. God, and I pray for every child downstairs, every, every family we could see Christmas literally as if, if this is when we're going to celebrate your birth, that we can make it about you. Jesus, that we acknowledge that you're the one that's in charge. That you're the one that's in charge. And that when you came to this little physical body, this little baby's body, Jesus, you were starting something for us that was the greatest gift we could ever imagine. So, Lord, we are amazed by that. We're humbled by that. God, I pray for every one of us. I pray for every one of us that we could turn this thing around a little bit in just one little small area of our existence. Just turn this around and make it about you. 
God, I do pray specifically for our younger families. Lord, help them not to get caught in the, the trap that they have to spend so much money for Christmas. And I don't think it's healthy. Lord, help us to break free from some of these trappings. In the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to make Christmas about you. For ourselves, our families, kids, spouses, extended families, help us to, to represent you. In our workplaces, help us to represent you. Help us to use the, the occasion of Christmas to witness to that coworker, to witness to that neighbor. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, help us to make it about you. The light that truly comes to this world can transform those around us. Lord, thank you for this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to ask you a question just for feedback for me. Um, how many of you say, I, I think I could, uh, like a commitment thing, but I think I could do something this Christmas to, to, a little different. I think I could do something to change it, to change it up somehow, something. Um, how many of you make some kind of little commitment like that? Say, I, I could do something. I don't know what it is yet, or maybe, maybe you're already getting that idea. Maybe something's already happening in your head. And you're like, that's right, I can do this, I can do this. I can save money. You <laughs> can do this. So take whatever, whatever God puts in your heart here. Talk to God about it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just full of it and making all this up. Maybe. But pray about it. Let God put something in your heart. Say, I can do something here. I think I can do something. Help my kids, help the generations. So, all right, before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you an opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. As you're leaving, we've got an offering that's going to be taken up and grab one of the prayer cards for the Jamils out there. Be praying for them. Talk to them about what's happening. And if you know students at UCCS, please send it to them. Shake somebody's hand. We will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.